It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is Bonus Benson. This segment is officially completely off the rails. What are you talking about? Stuff we wish never aired. I will eat chalupas all day long. Come on, man. The Guy Benson Show. Home stretch. Here on the Guy Benson Show. Catch me on special report coming up in the next hour. Fox News Channel, Brett Bayer and team. Looking forward to that. Then heading up to New York for the rest of the week, we'll be doing the show from there. One big happy family. The entire Guy Benson Show team in one place for the first time ever since Dan joined the team. So we'll have much more to talk about on that front coming up in the coming days. But first... Here as we welcome you back, GuyBensonShow.com, all of that. I want to discuss two different stories that were sent to me by listeners. And I really enjoy the fact that our listeners seem to get it. You all get what we do here in the home stretch. So the first one was sent. This was picked up by FoxNews.com, but it was also in local media as well. A kindergartner in Michigan brought in Jose Cuervo Margaritas to snack time, which made fellow students woozy. So someone sent this along to me and wondered if this might have producer Christine's fingertips all over this. And I said, well, no, because I'm pretty sure Megan's in second grade and she lives in New Jersey, not Michigan, and it's not vodka or vodka, as Christine would say. If the details were just slightly different, I would be quite concerned, actually that this was some sort of reckless endangerment situation involving Christine, but apparently this bad parenting was someone else's fault. And my question that I have about this story, more than, I mean, maybe some of the more obvious questions is, was there no teacher there to prevent the distribution of margaritas to the students during snack time? Did the teacher, I guess, not pick up on this? They just weren't aware that there was something like a little, I don't know, a little nip? in the cooler or whatever this student brought. So these are five-year-olds who had their first margs, unwitting five-year-olds. Obviously, if I were a parent, I'd be very unhappy that this happened. And I'm just curious if producer Christine might have an alternative take on this and might want to defend whoever's responsible for this. Christine? Well, I mean, it's not necessarily... Yeah, sure. I'll give it a go. Um, If I have, you know, margaritas in a can in my fridge and my child sneaks one out because she doesn't know or he doesn't know what it is and puts it in his backpack, am I to blame? Is that my fault? I think it would be your fault if you sent the margs in with the student to be shared. Okay. So, yes, obviously, I don't think this is exactly what happened here. But I am a little confused how— You would send her with Cosmos, wouldn't you? <laughs> You'd be like, that... oh, it's so pretty. It's pink. What is this? I did tell you the time where Megan asked me to play restaurant. She went upstairs, came back down, all dressed with her bag, and she said, Mommy, I called the Uber, ready to go get your pink drink. <laughs> that's how she thought we played it, restaurant. It, kids are perceptive. Yeah, that's 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 restaurant. That's 
you know, Monday night. That's a lot of different things, I believe. <laughs> and this came in in, the, in a backpack, by the way, in Livonia, Michigan, the Grand River Academy. And I guess the student just sort of was handing the drink around. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. What is the and, teacher doing? I mean, the the kid was pouring it out in, in Dixie cups. Yep. So four or five sips <laughs> that she was giving out, and then the the kid started to feel woozy and a little dizzy, and then I guess the teacher finally suspected something was up and tried it, and that was the end of that. So are you saying if the kid wasn't such a lightweight, this wouldn't be a problem? <laughs> I mean, you should be a lightweight when you're five. You should be the definition of a lightweight in every literal sense, actually. Now, I, I just love what the statement from the school, what it said. It said, it's impossible to keep an eye on everything our students bring into school. Yeah, can, we do our best. I can understand that, but this, we're talking kindergarten. Like, eyes and ears should be on these kids at all times. So I'm just going to put it out there. I'm against giving kindergartners margaritas. Okay, that's it took you a while to get around to that, but I'm glad that you landed there because that is correct. That is the correct position to have. Meanwhile, I want to ask you about this, a totally separate story from Northern Virginia. And a friend of mine who listens to the show sent this to me. Here's the headline. This $800,000 house in Fairfax will go quickly. It comes with a person in the basement. So there is a house listed in the suburbs of D.C., and I ask you about this, Christine, because you just went through this whole process of selling your house and moving to an apartment building. So here's the the deal that you perhaps had an opportunity to cash in on if you were looking for a house in this area. It's a sought-after area. It's a five-bedroom home, and it's near a Trader Joe's, near a Home Depot, and a tempting price tag, especially for someone with a healthy budget, for a renovation. It's listed for $800,000 in an area where a lot of sales top the $1 million mark. The owners who put this on the market said they only want cash offers and the home, which does need some work, is sold as is. This is according to the Washingtonian. That's not uncommon. It's still a red hot market here in D.C. saying, look, you get the house as is. There's no contingencies. We want a cash offer only. But there's a catch, kind of a quirk, and it's listed literally online per the listing. The home will convey, I'm quoting now, with a person living in the lower level with no lease in place. And you can't see the lower level, according to the listing. So you buy the house. The basement is sight unseen. And you're buying that sight unseen basement and it comes with someone who's living there. And apparently what happened in this case is a woman, quote, weaseled her way into this house, has been living there for three years. So this is a squatter. Let's be clear. There might be someone else living with her. They don't know, apparently. And the tenants, for lack of a better word, this is the Washingtonian story, say that there's no lease in place and this person is not paying rent. The current owners are just, quote, not the type that can financially afford or emotionally deal with the eviction, according to the listing agent. Okay, so other real estate experts in the area are saying this is a really good neighborhood, this is a good house. Yes, you'll have to plow a lot of money into it in terms of renovations, but still, 
given the asking price, you can then set aside a lot of money and do a big renovation. And if you are willing to go through the process of eviction, which will cost you some money, overall, this is a good deal. And they have at least one full offer, apparently. This was as of a few days ago. Would you want any part of this, Christine? Because on one hand, good deal, a real value. On the other hand, there's a very weird situation that you're going to have to deal with. And there's a lot of question marks floating around that situation. Where do you come down on this? Oh, this would be a hard, hard no for me. I would not even entertain trying to buy this home because do you know what the process you would have to go through to get that person out of your home? And you can't even look and see what that person has done to your basement or what they would do knowing that you're trying to evict them to your house. So no, no, no. I think you could probably get rid of the person if you needed to, but it would take quite a lot of effort. And you'd need lawyers, and there would be fees, and there would be probably maybe police involved at some point. It would be a huge pain. But if you're saving, let's say, two or $300,000 as a result, and yeah, you'll have to do renovations and that sort of thing, is there a scenario under which the headache would be worth it dollars and cents wise, especially if you're sort of like, hey, I'm the owner of this place now. The old owners didn't have it in them to kick you out, but I'm not them. And this is happening. Like there would be all sorts of, I would guess, like negotiations, ultimatums, threats made before you got the expensive process underway. But it could still in a hot real estate market be attractive to some people. No, you're, you're not, not for, buying. No, that. not for me. I, I, it, do you know how hard it is? I've we've seen the stories about squatters. It is very, very difficult to get somebody out of your home, off of your property, um, just because you want them off. It doesn't. It, I don't think it works that way. I've seen many, many stories about this. I, I'm not sure if you know this about me, guy, but I have a little bit of anxiety. I don't know if I, you know, I have. Picked I, up I don't on that. really show it. I think, you know, I really. <laughs> yeah, no. I hide it very well, uh, especially during work. Wyatt, I don't appreciate the laughter over there. Um, but no, this is <laughs> not worth making my anxiety double or triple. No way. Now, Bobby is frugal in some ways. Would he be more into this potentially? No, Bobby doesn't have the. He doesn't have the. He barely has patience for me. No, he doesn't have patience for this. Okay, no All right. way. That's, that's sort of my my instinct was run away, sprint away from this. But I guess some folks, a competitive market, they want the house, they want the neighborhood, they're going to do what it takes. So I want the follow up story to this. I want to know what happens. Does the squatter get booted? I'm actually very curious. Actually, if maybe Wyatt can make a Google alert on his phone or on his computer for this story. I would like a follow-up. We could do a factor follow-up here in the program to see how this gets resolved. Because now I want to know. I'm sort of invested. Not literally. I'm not going to invest in this for all the reasons that you just said. But I'm emotionally invested to see what happens. And who on earth is this woman? And maybe someone else that she's shacked up with, rent-free for three years in a basement. This could be a movie. This could be a Netflix series, potentially. They could make Inventing Anna into a show. This could be, you know, 
basement drama or something. The woman in the basement. Yeah, we can we can follow this here on the Guy Benson show. Not quite as closely as some of our other stories, but uh, I'm just I'm curious. All right, that's your assignment, Wyatt. Keep an eye on this story for us, please. You can like maybe even get Zillow alerts on your phone about this address. Well, that's all we have for today because we're out of time. I'm going to do special report coming up in the next hour on Fox News Channel and then off to the train up to New York Tuesday through Friday up in the Big Apple. And then a week from today and also a week from tomorrow, if all goes according to plan, we'll be doing the show from the border down in Del Rio and McAllen, Texas. That is going to be fascinating. Much more to come on that later in the week. So a lot of travel upcoming, a lot of excitement here on The Guy Benson Show. Thank you so much for listening, and we are back here tomorrow. Same time, same place, but from New York. It's The Guy Benson Show. Thank you for listening, and have a great night. Home stretch on this Tuesday on The Guy Benson Show. Bouncing out of here and heading off to Gutfeld World. I'm here in New York for a lot of TV. Gutfeld tonight, 11 p.m. Eastern Fox News Channel. Filling in for Kennedy tomorrow and Thursday. I've got, I believe, America's Newsroom on Thursday on Fox News Channel. Then Cudlow on Friday, Fox Business. So I'm going to be busy here while I'm up in New York. And I'm perfectly happy to do it. It's actually fun to be back with a full slate on set and that sort of stuff because... For a long time, we couldn't. And now, truly, it feels like with these mask mandates going away, normalcy is not fully restored, but getting there. So any opportunity that you might have to watch or listen, we appreciate it. Here on the radio side, it's always the same. 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time, every weekday, GuyBensonShow.com. Whether we're in D.C. or New York or anywhere else. And the podcast is also consistently always free of charge, on demand, GuyBensonShow.com. And I teased on the show yesterday that I was on my way up. I was going to head to special report for the panel and then off to the train, and that went according to plan. What was not planned was my seatmate on the train. And I talked earlier in the show about how I knew that the judge had thrown out the mandate when I got on the train. So my plan was no mask. Wasn't going to wear it in the train station. Wasn't going to wear it boarding the train. Wasn't going to wear it on the train when he was coming around taking tickets. I was going to be maskless because that was the prevailing ruling of a federal judge that applied to the whole country. And then right before I got on the train, Amtrak had put out a statement saying that it would become a mask optional situation. I did not get a single hassle or word from the conductor. So that was all good. The guy sitting next to me, as I talked about at the top of the show, was kind of like, enviously looking at me without my mask on, like, are we allowed to do that? So I showed him the statement from Amtrak on my phone. I was like, hey, this just happened. And then they later on announced mid-ride that it was a masking optional situation, and a bunch of people took their masks off. Mine was already off, of course, never on yesterday. So once my seatmate took the mask off, once I showed him that tweet, with the quote from the Amtrak leadership, I thought I recognized him. I'm a bit of a foodie. I like some of these cooking shows, especially Top Chef. That Tom Colicchio on the show, who's the head judge. We should try to get him back, by the way. I know Christine's on it. She's trying. But this guy, I think I've seen him on Top Chef, maybe as a judge. So I Googled just to make sure I was right. Of course, I'd also heard him talking in French. So I was like, 
I think this is who I think it is. And the Google images turned up, yep, that's him. I actually had met his daughter a few times. She's friends with my cousin. There was another connection that I had. So I decided to be not weird about it, but just say, I'm so sorry, sir. Are you Daniel Balud? I mean, world famous chef. I think it's fair to say one of the top 10 most prominent chefs in the world. I think I think that's probably fair. You might quibble, but he's way up there. And he's got his flagship restaurant here in New York, Daniel, high-end fine dining French since 1993. He's been packing that place for almost my entire life. It's really hard to have that much success, and he's got now a whole network of restaurants all over the country and all over the world. And he was extremely friendly. He said, yes, that's me. And I explained, oh, I've met your daughter. And I talked about a few other family connections we had to other people that he knows. And he was just absolutely delightful. And I had been doing a lot of work on the train. I had a tiny bit more to get done. And then we just chatted for probably two hours. And I kept worrying that I was bothering him. And he had stuff to do. But he was totally game. And he was bringing up new topics of conversation. He whipped out the iPad, was showing me photos. We're talking about his family and his upbringing in a farming community, a farming family in France just outside of Lyon. And he's like, here are my parents, and they're still doing great in their 90s and all this stuff. He had stories, amazing stories, about going and cooking for communities in need when they've been struck by a disaster. And, I mean, it was just, as someone who's really into this kind of thing, it was surreal. I was like, I can't believe I'm sitting with Daniel Balud talking food. And he was asking questions. He's definitely into news. He was asking about the French election, if I had any thoughts on that. And I had one or two thoughts because that's upcoming. And he just could not have been any nicer. I guess he we took a selfie, sent it to his daughter. She's like, oh, yeah, he's at Fox News. He's like, oh, you're at Fox. How's that? What do you do? So I showed him a clip from Special Report. And he's like, oh, where, you know, where's your radio show based and how does that work? So, I mean, he was very curious as well. And it was just a fabulous experience. I will admit that the commute back and forth from New York is not my favorite part of the job, like the actual being on the train. I get work done. That is true with my little Internet hotspot. But it's like it's like three and a half, four hours. Feels like it should be faster than that. It's not. This one just flew by, and he gave me his card, and maybe I'll, like, save up for four months and go to Daniel, his restaurant at some point. He's opening a new one. It was just awesome. And I just want to say it's really special to meet someone at the very top of their world who is just welcoming and down-to-earth and cheerful and chatty and you might think, oh, a very, very high-end, fine-dining, celebrity French chef. You might think, you know, with certain stereotypes, maybe he's not the friendliest person you'll ever run into. Like, oh, just sort of the nose-in-the-air attitude. Not even close. That was not the Daniel Balut experience for me. And so a lot of you were like, who the hell is that? Right? He's not a household name necessarily, but I was pretty stoked about it. And so it made that train ride just fly by. And producer Christine, of course, is a little curious about it. And Christine, we got to get to some of these questions quickly because we also have to tell the folks 
about our big night in than our big night out that we have planned tonight. Well, that's real. I mean, you answered probably everything. I just have one question. Obviously, we're going to eat at his restaurant tonight. And what time is the reservation? <laughs> yeah. So uh, you might want to have to sell a second house for us to go have dinner at Daniel. So if you've got a second house that you can uh, sell or take out a second mortgage, then maybe. No, look, it's it's definitely a very nice restaurant. My friend Zhang Toy has been a regular at Daniel for years. So I texted Zhang. I'm like, I'm with Chef Balud on the train. He's like, oh, tell him hi. And he's like, oh, I love Zhang. I'm like, this is surreal. Like, I'm not that person. I'm not the type of person who's typically hanging out with fashion designers and top-level chefs just as a matter of everyday life. So to just be in the middle of it, even for just a few hours, even on Amtrak, was pretty cool. So I'm still having like an extra pep in my step today from that. It was just an energizing thing. And I did get, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this. I'm going to say it because I'm a top chef fan, as I mentioned. That's your second reminder this segment to try to get Colecchio back on the show, Christine. Yeah, I figured that out. He ballooed, told me that, how can I put this? I'm going to say hypothetically, hypothetically, he might be making an upcoming appearance on Top Chef Houston the current season. I can't confirm or deny. He asked me, did I maybe want to know more information? And I said, no, no spoilers, please. So I'm just putting that out there. Very excited for that. Also very excited for the plan tonight. So here's what we're doing. This is pretty crazy because Dan, our engineer, has been with the show for more than half a year, like seven-ish months at this point. He and Wyatt had never met until yesterday. The team is all in New York because I was going to be here for a stretch of days. Wyatt was like, maybe I'll come up to New York, New Jersey, see my family. We can all get together and do not a Guy Benson show retreat, which we've done in the past and will do in the future. This would just be a Guy Benson show dinner out, a night on the town for the team and all the besties and then also Christine. And we have a reservation at a restaurant that I really like. It is not super high-end, but it's good. Christine and I have actually been there before. Dan is nodding as well. Wyatt has not. Wyatt's a picky eater. So let's hope that he is satisfied with this option. I think he will be. I have a good feeling about it. That's a later reservation because before dinner, they are going to all come with me to the Gutfeld taping. They are going to be the studio audience for Gutfeld tonight which is a dangerous thing. Or a guest. We don't know yet. If they hear this, you joking about just like creeping onto the set during the show, you will definitely be disinvited, and I might get disinvited. Well, I mean, they may see me. Greg knows me. Like, maybe he's going to just be like, come on up. Does he know you? He knows me. Yeah. Yeah, sort of. I don't think he would know my name necessarily, but he could see me in the hall and go, you. Yeah. Hey. He barely knows my name. It's fine. But it's going to be fun. And you guys are going to be, I guess, sort of in the back of the studio and watching all the magic happen. It's myself, Susan Lee from Fox Business, Joe DeVito, I think his name is, one of their writers, very funny guy, and then, of course, Kat Timpf. And then the man himself, Greg Gutfeld, 11 p.m. Eastern time. And if you hear any wild over-the-top, extremely loud New Jersey laughing in the background tonight, it will be Wyatt. 
and then you know Christine will also be present. So are you guys excited for the Gutfeld experience or the dinner experience or both? Because I'm excited for both. Oh yes, I'm I'm excited for both. Um, and I'm excited for Gutfeld. I used to go to all the Gutfeld tapings before it was a week show, weekday show. I used to go all the time for the weekend show, and used to see Greg in the beginning of my Fox career. So. You were like 14 at the time, right? And so you were not exactly the target audience necessarily for Gutfeld. Although, I mean, they 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 bring in a younger demographic for sure. I will admit, I'm like slightly nervous about it because typically when I'm on the show on Gutfeld, there have been live audiences before, and then they kind of went away for the surge on Omicron. I'm not sure what the plan is in terms of bringing the audiences fully back at some stage. I'm sure that's in the works. But usually it's just people that I don't know who are sitting in the audience. Or if I do know them, they're mixed in with a bunch of other people. In this case, I feel like it's my radio team. That is the audience. It's just you guys. So if I'm not good, it's like you guys are the only people there, and I'll just be hearing the crickets and knowing where the crickets are coming from. So you got to do some at least some like pity laughs or something, even if I'm bombing. Okay, last question, and then uh-huh. I know we got to go. Are you more worried about my behavior or your performance? Oh, as usual, your behavior. That's that's an easy call. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. And Wyatt also has that, you know, chloroform cloth just in case. Like, hey, Christine, does this smell like chloroform? And then she just <laughs> she's just asleep, and then she wakes up at the restaurant, and we've ordered her a Cosmo, and everything's fine. Wyatt would never drug a lady, just for the record. I just want to make sure that that's very clear just before we, like, end the show that we don't go out on that note. But please do watch Gutfeld tonight at 11 p.m. Eastern Time, Fox News Channel, back here on the radio tomorrow for The Guy Benson Show, 3 to 6, GuyBensonShow.com. Have a great night. See you on Gutfeld, and thank you for listening. Home stretch from the Big Apple here in New York for the rest of the week. I'm in for Kennedy tonight and tomorrow. Fox Business Network, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Our website here on the radio show, GuyBensonShow.com. That's our online home, GuyBensonShow.com. Podcast free every day, the whole show. By the way, before we launch into our home stretch topic, shout out to our friends, at 106.3 Extra in Atlanta. Can you believe that it's been one year since that station launched? One of our great affiliates down there in Hotlanta, where I helped deliver a World Series championship to the Braves last year. I'll just throw that out there yet again with my incredible, tremendous first pitch last July. But they have been just a joy to work with. The station didn't exist. This was not a talk station until a year ago this week. We've been a part of it from day one. So grateful to be on the ground floor. They've been growing. Their numbers are amazing. And we are looking forward to a great future with our friends down there in Atlanta. So bravo to Dickie Broadcasting and Matt and the whole team. I know producer Christine is chomping at the bit to get down there. She is just like nodding almost violently through the glass there. She wants to come on one of my trips to Atlanta. Maybe we'll make that happen. We'll see. We'll see. So Christine, we were out last night. Whole team, first of all, we went down to Gutfeld for the taping. You guys were the studio audience. 
like just you. The audience is coming back to Gutfeld starting next month in May in their brand new studio with something like 90 seats. I'm hearing it is a stunning studio that they're building just for the Gutfeld show. So I'm excited. I think I'll be back on the schedule in mid-May to join the panel. But this was the the old studio, the original studio for Gutfeld, exclamation point. And you guys were there. Fun experience. Did you enjoy being the studio audience? You could hear some uh, some cookie cackles in the background on TV last night. I, I, I could hear a tiny bit last night because I did watch when I got home. But no, it was that was super cool. It was fun to watch you. I thought you were very, very funny. Um, it was just a cool experience. I don't think I've really watched much TV taping. So it was definitely a cool experience. And I was with my best friends. So. I, I think Quiet Wyatt's going to be joining me in studio tonight for Kennedy. And that's a very cool spot as well. So Wyatt will be up on the third floor with me a little bit later on. Anything that surprised you, Wyatt, being in there? I know you'd been at some of the Gutfeld weekend taping. So maybe this wasn't as new of an experience for you. But any surprises for anyone last night? No, everyone, everyone's just shaking their heads. It went basically as expected. By the way, if you all watched last night's episode of Gutfeld, I must report to you that the guy who was stuck in the elevator, that was not a made-up bit. That was real. One of their writers was stuck in an elevator for hours last night here in the building. He's out. He survived. He's fine. But I heard the elevator actually fell several floors, then stopped, and he was stuck there for a few hours. Gene is his name. Gene is fine which we're grateful to find out because that was kind of a running theme throughout the show. And people were tweeting at me and texting me like, hey, is that real? Yeah, that actually happened. Gene's fine. Very fun show. And then after the show, we went to dinner. Sort of here in Midtown, a little bit farther east, we went to uh, one of my favorite restaurants in the city. Had a lovely time, at least I did. Seemed like everyone enjoyed themselves. And we were just, you know, having a cocktail and having some spinach and artichoke dip and then just casually dropped into the conversation. Christine just mentions that one time that she was kicked out of her sewing club. And I said, hold the phone. Stop right there. She just, like, wanted to breeze right past it. I'm like, no, no. There's a story here that we need to know and why it was just, like, cracking up. You got thrown out of a neighborhood knitting club? Yeah, it was like a knitting slash sewing club. And I, when I got the invite, thought it was just code for moms who want to drink on a Sunday. <laughs> and apparently these people really wanted to sew and knit. They were very serious Are about you it. aware that sewing involves, like, precision and sharp needles and things? Probably elements that do not really lend themselves to heavy drinking, which was your thought process here, I guess. So I figured that out pretty quickly. I also figured it out when nobody else was partaking in the delicious wine that I brought. So you brought the booze, of opened I did. the booze, drank the booze, and everyone was just sort of like, hmm. Nobody else drank. Like maybe uh, C. Diddy here doesn't really understand how seriously we take the knitting and the sewing. Yeah, They had like an instructor come. They hired somebody. And then I had to give that instructor money. I didn't know we were paying someone to teach us. How, what, what did you sew or what did you try so to knit? So the first thing, um, the I went to two um, meetings. So the first meeting we did a... Wait, you went back? Well, the first one we did a Christmas stocking. And the only reason I went back is I, I don't think they probably wanted me the second time, but 
I kind of said, like, this was so much fun. I didn't know that they didn't find me being there as fun as I thought it was <laughs> drinking. These are some of your other, quote, best friends, right? <laughs> yeah. So you went back a second time. Yeah, and then that's when it really went downhill. Um, I couldn't even, like, help form. We were supposed to be making aprons. But I'm like, what's the apron for? Cooking? It, yeah, I don't wear I, – I don't cook much, and I don't wear an apron. Uh, I couldn't even it, – it, it didn't even – I don't think I sewed one stitch. It was like all pinned by the time the class was over and we were taking the group picture. So I had to like hold it where the pins were to pretend. So you had a fake apron basically Mm -hmm. to make Mm -hmm. it seem like. So did they formally kick you out being like you are officially disinvited or were you just sort of ghosted? So this was even sadder. A a few weeks later, they were all together on and they took a picture on Facebook and they posted it. Like they were back doing more sewing. Yes. And you didn't get that email. I didn't get the email that we were meeting again. Yeah, they were like, take Christine off the list. (laughs) Were you actually upset or were you just sort of glad that you didn't have to go back and pretend? Well, it's not nice to be excluded from something. I mean, I was never going to sew. That was never an option for me. Were these people people who crossed over with you in other friend groups? Like, could you still socialize with them in other settings? They just didn't want you to be kind of a disruptive presence at their sewing situation? Well, two of the girls, yes, that okay. I, I did socialize with. But so that's I fine. was kind of upset that they didn't tell me about it either, that they were going back. Would you have preferred them formally exclude you? I want the – no, I don't, I don't think they should have excluded me. First of all, like, how much – what's but so you didn't, wrong? But you didn't do the sewing. So why couldn't I just sit there and be the entertainment? Because I think – Sewing, and I know nothing about sewing or knitting, but especially sewing, I think, requires attention, mm-hmm. not distraction, and not boozy, sloshing distraction. It wasn't sloshing that much. Um, I really, <laughs> truly believed when I said yes to this that we this was just an excuse for moms to get out of the house for a couple hours, drink as much as we can, and then go back home on our merry way. And, and it's not fun. Listen, I might not always attend what I'm invited to, but I want the invite always. I always see. invite me. Do you get that? Do you, do you see where I'm going with this? Not really. Always invite me. Right. You have you did say that, mm-hmm. but like, what are you talking about? I'm just just everything? Yeah, I'm just putting that out to you. You've been invited to my wedding and you came. You've been invited to my Christmas party and you came. I've never been invited to your house. I don't have a house anymore. <laughs> well, but you did. Throughout the entire history of this show. I could invite you to Eyesore Lane. You could have. I could have just like, I don't know, gone through like, oh, I could have been like one of those prisoners on the side of the road cleaning up the garbage. I could have just been like taking one of those spiky things and just puncturing all of your inflatables and putting them right into a garbage bag off to the dumpster. Just It's a neighborhood beautification role that I could have perhaps fulfilled if I'd ever been invited. But no, apparently... My tastes were too refined to ever even be invited by the woman who says, always invite. Yes, always. Just putting it out there. Always invite Cookie. She'll decide whether she can attend or not, but I always want the ask. To feel included is something that I need. Yeah, you just were going back and forth between first person and third person there. It's just it's a little confusing. Wyatt, did you end up sharing an Uber with Cookie last night, or do you, did you dodge that bullet? I, I did ha- uh, I did dodge that bullet. <laughs> okay. I, I walked I walked to the train station. Cookie took an Uber. Yeah, my Uber got lost. 
Well, what time did you get home? It was pretty late. Well, what happened was I fell asleep, though. So then I woke up, and Bobby was texting me because he was tracking me. He's like, where are you? And he found it funny for the girl who constantly thinks she's go- going to be kidnapped that I would fall that asleep. That is true. You do have a kidnap. <laughs> in an Uber. <laughs> you do have a kidnap, like, weird fantasy phobia thing going on. Well, I was worried. because Fantasy. Because Dan had to leave the restaurant somewhat early to get back to catch a train to not get ticketed in his car. He got ticketed anyway. And then Wyatt and Christine and I walked through Manhattan back to near Fox, and they were figuring out the Uber situation. I was walking back to my hotel. I got intercepted, boom, by Shannon Bream, and we were chatting outside, and I kept looking over my shoulder like, when is Christine going to notice that I'm talking to Shannon Bream because she was trying to book her for the show today and hadn't nailed down a time. And I was waiting for Christine. I was waiting to hear, like, her heels sprinting down the asphalt behind me to come, like, tackle Shannon Bream and put her in a burlap sack and drag her up to the radio studio. So I was sort of like, Shannon, why don't you turn this way so your back is to producer Christine? So that's why I was curious. I didn't see how you guys resolved your evening because I was trying to shield Shannon Bream from producer Christine's booking predations. But it all worked out fine. And Dan has to, I guess, fight these parking tickets now because you were paying them online, but they were still ticketing your car. Yeah, because you pay with the app, you know, and then it stopped at 6, and I didn't read that on the app. So, like, I it kept going every hour. They kept ticketing me. But I got back just in time um, for the train, so. But now you have to spend some of your weekend going to contest the tickets. Yeah, I got to go to the clerk's office in the town. It's a whole thing. Just cry. It always gets me out of everything. (laughs) Maybe. How how much, can I ask you how much money the tickets add up to? Just under 100 bucks. Is it worth hours of your Saturday? Honestly, No. So I might, I'm when it comes saying, down to it, I might not actually go. I Like, that's a, like 100 bucks is nothing to sneeze at, but what is your time worth on a weekend? That's a decision that you have to make for yourself. A decision that I'm making is, well, the, the clock is, in fact, telling me to make this decision, that we're almost out of time. And Christine, we're almost out of time. What? Well, okay, fine. We could talk about it tomorrow, but don't forget the clothing swap we're going to do, Wyatt and I. Oh, nope. We're going to, let's put a pin in that conversation. Because you can hear them, you can hear the music. Should we even talk about the clothing swap? That might be a Friday topic. Back here tomorrow, three to six p.m. for the Guy Benson Show on the radio. Kennedy tonight, FBN seven p.m. See you there. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you in twenty-one hours on the Guy Benson Show. Home stretch on this Thursday. Friday Eve on the Guy Benson Show from New York City. I'm on Kennedy tonight, sitting in for Kennedy one more time. Thanks for watching last night. Hope you will do so again this evening, 7 p.m. Eastern Fox Business Network. Our website here on the radio side, GuyBensonShow.com, for all of your program-related needs, including and or especially the podcast. Well, here's a headline from the New York Post. This insanely popular cocktail is ruining your sleep and heart health. So that's going to be a click from me. And the cocktail in question is a caffeinated concoction known as the espresso martini. And in this piece, the columnist writes, everybody loves them. They're over-the-counter crack for faux sophisticates. Yet has there ever been a worse moment to end your night mixing 
concentrated java, and vodka, plus coffee liqueur and simple syrup. And he gets into what experts say and medical professionals say are the impacts on your sleep cycle, your ability to sleep soundly for the amount of time that you need to, the pressure that this puts on your health, the pressure that this puts on your heart and therefore your health, the combination of booze and caffeine, often at the end of the night. So I'm going to begin this conversation by just explaining I don't really drink these things. When I have a sip, I sort of like it, but I would never order it because I cannot stand vodka. I cannot drink it. If there is a drink with vodka in it, I can almost always taste the vodka, and it's just disgusting to me. So I'm like, it's an easy, hard pass. It is all the rage. People are ordering them constantly, everywhere. Adam is into it. Our friends are into it. Our dear friend Kennedy loves mixing them up. She makes them all the time. It is very much a fad. There's one bartender quoted in the story who says, maybe every week or two you'd get a request. Now there's at least one a night at the restaurant that he works at. And I'm looking at some stairs through the glass here in the radio studio from at least two big fans of the espresso martini. I'm just not among them. Although, before I get to a dissenting view, when I mentioned this to Kennedy, because she was eager to whip me up an espresso martini. In fact, I'm pretty sure it was a couple years ago. She came down for a weekend, a night or two in D.C., and she arrived mid-party with all the ingredients for espresso martinis and just started making them, mixing them and pouring them for anyone who wanted one. Of course, she was a very popular figure at that party. But I told her recently, I don't drink vodka. I don't like it. And she said, oh, that's not a problem. I could make you one with tequila. And just, that's a red flag right there. I actually like tequila. I like margaritas. I had one, in fact, at our team dinner the other night. I started with a marg, then gravitated to one beer, and then that was it. I like tequila. I like margs. I also know through experience, probably dating back to college, that tequila, especially bad tequila, ends poorly for me if I have too much of it. So I'll do it occasionally within reason, but to make that alcohol into the basis for an espresso martini, I don't know. It's just there was a voice inside me screaming, don't do it. So I didn't. It could be good. It could be bad. I just didn't even try. Now, producer Christine, her go-to is vodka. She calls it vodka. What did you have the other night at dinner? Was that a Cosmo? That was a Cosmo. Yeah. Not notice, a surprise. Notice I only had one. Did you have a second drink of any sort? No, I'm calorie counting, remember? Oh, right. How's that going? How's Bobby? It's not great. How's Bobby weighing I, in on that, so to speak? It's not going great. And, you know, I'm doing this intermittent fasting, and then I just found this article today that says, stop doing it. It doesn't work. All the fad diets have their adherents and their critics. And like the skeptics, you'll drive yourself crazy. Oh, I am. 
I don't doubt that. Even if things are going well, you seek out reasons to get stressed out to drive yourself crazy. If you're not neurotic about something, you will find a reason. Like, you know, I'm feeling way too pleasant and copacetic today. Let me Google scary terms and whip myself into some sort of lather. I think, oh my God, I should talk to uh, my new therapist, Roy. I should talk to him about this tomorrow. Roy? Yeah, that's my new therapist. Are you calling my dog? <laughs> no. Did you fire your old therapist? Yeah, it wasn't working. Okay. Her, pause, we had to break up. Pause, pause, pause. Make a note, Wyatt. We have a home stretch for tomorrow. Christine broke up with her therapist and has a new one. That is a whole separate conversation. We should bring a couch into the studio, Christine, and have you lie down on it. Then lower a microphone to you. And we could do a segment that way. When I once again resume my role as your unlicensed and absolutely uncompensated therapist. Yeah, you should be angry because I pay Roy. Yeah, no, I am. That That's the point of calling myself, pointing out how uncompensated I am for all this work that I do on your behalf. But let's just put a pin in that, Wyatt. Let's make sure that we revisit it at some point on the show tomorrow. But you want to make a point, I'm sure, about espresso martinis because we got way off track there. Well, I, I applaud you for only having one Cosmo at dinner. I did not notice, but that is off-brand. Oh, so, I knew. Yeah. I counted. But the espresso okay, martini. So, well, no, no, no. Let's just go back a little bit. Um, what does happen when Guy Benson has a little too much tequila? Are we talking about like when Cookie's on top of a bar dancing? Well, well, is that what are we talking? I don't dance on bars. You should. I might dance. I might dance finally. But don't you want to just like? Oh, I shouldn't say. It. Never mind. No, continue the I thought. I almost just said, don't you want to just get on top of something? Ah. <laughs> uh. Wyatt just walked out of the studio. He's like, I can't do this anymore. He's got, I feel like Wyatt, especially when he's up here in New York with Christine, he's got like on speed dial HR and his thumb is just hovering over the button to make that call finally. Well, and I'm also definitely a bad influence. He said he hasn't been reading the Wall Street Journal properly since he's been up here. Wow. It takes a lot for him to go cold turkey on the journal. Are you, like, shaking at all, Wyatt? Are you itching in your withdrawal? No, no, no. I just, you know, there's just, it's just the schedule, the commute in, I just, I don't have enough time sometimes, and this morning I just didn't have time to read it, so. Do you not read on the train? I feel like that's the perfect time. You just, like, whip out your pipe. <laughs> Sir, you're not allowed to smoke on the train. You have a little hole cut out of your mask just for your pipe, and then you read the journal in your sweater vest. You're on the 4.05 a.m. train for no reason. Your day starts at 10. This is what I'm envisioning. We are so far off the rails. Okay, back to martinis. Yes, please make your defense of the espresso martini. I mean, I just love it. I mean, there's no difference. That's it. Move on to the next person. They're amazing. Well and- said. The woman makes a point. The lady has made a point. She loves them. Dan, you're a big fan, but you said that you drink them out of different containers. So I like, I, I the first one I ever got was in a martini glass, and they slosh. So I didn't like that. So you, they go all over the place, and it's very messy. So I asked for the first time if they could put it in a pint glass in ice. And it's a lot better. It stays cold, with a little bit of Bailey's in it. What, you get them on the rocks? On the rocks. In a beer? In a pint glass, yeah. Like, you know, that like a pint glass. And it's delicious. You get a little bit more bang for your buck with it, because it's a little bit bigger. 
Uh-huh. And they put ice in it, and it just stays cold, and it's delicious. Do you support that, Christine? Not at all. Um, <laughs> I know you know this already, but I'm very sophisticated, and especially when it comes to my glassware for my vodka or any of the other. Yes. Your level of sophistication does, in fact, speak for itself. <laughs> no, I, I, I wouldn't. You have to have a martini in a martini glass. And what is wrong with sloshing? <laughs> a lot, because then you lose some of it. I'm now reminded of Lucille Bluth, the character from Arrested Development, my favorite comedy character of all time, who would have her martinis, her vodka martinis, and would be drunk, usually in the middle of the day, and she'd be ranting about something, and then she would do angry air quotes, and when she would do the air quote, it would slosh and the thing would just spill everywhere. That's the visual that I'm getting here. By the way, since we're talking about ingesting alcohol out of unconventional containers, vessels. I was on Easter with Adam. We were invited over to a little party, actually trying to be huge, like 150 people, mostly outside, annual tradition. Molly and Mark Hemingway host a huge Easter for a lot of people from their church and their kids' school and their neighborhood. And we made the list this year. And it's very potluck. It was great. We brought a little thing and everyone brings and there's ham and all this stuff. And then they had kegs downstairs. It was really fun. I hung out with Molly Hemingway in her kitchen on Easter Sunday for probably an hour and a half, just chatting about anything and everything. And we were drinking bubbly rosé together back and forth. I was drinking it out of a bourbon glass with the Declaration of Independence engraved on it. She was drinking her bubbly rosé out of like a chemistry beaker that actually has the markings of the quantity. And she said this is something that she learned at a party years ago. She thought it was sort of a cool thing. Plus, you can really literally keep track of the physical amount that you're consuming. And that's how she rolled. I thought that was sort of genius. No, Christine is... Why would you want to keep count of how much you drank? For purposes of responsibility. Oh. And probably calorie counting. Well, now, yes, I get it. I do. But um, anything bubbly belongs in like a flute of some sort. Generally, yes, but I don't know. Just picture Molly Hemingway in an apron transferring one honey-baked ham after another over to the table while nursing this pink bubbly alcohol in a chemistry beaker. That's kind of a an image that you don't always associate with Molly Hemingway. I think it's kind of cool. Yeah, you definitely don't associate that with her, but major cool points for Molly. Yeah, no, that's a different side of Molly Hemingway, and it's a delightful one. Not that, like, the normal badass one isn't. I'm just saying, like, you know, it's it's sort of some fun extra color that we've brought you here on the home stretch today. I was not expecting to go there in this conversation. In fact, we should probably clip this and send it to Molly and see if she's okay with it. And if she's not, like... I could be a little scared. I'll blame you. That's actually, you know what? It'll be Christine's fault. That's fine. And we're out of time. We've gone We've gone so long again. I don't even know what we just did. What was that segment? That'll be on bonus Benson for sure. Kennedy tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern, Fox Business Network. I'm guest hosting back here for the Friday edition from New York of the Guy Benson Show tomorrow. We will talk to you then. Have a great night.
home stretch on this Friday on the Guy Benson Show. Thank you for being here. Almost the weekend, just a few more minutes together on the Guy Benson Show. GuyBensonShow.com. That's our website. Podcast always free, on demand, including bonus Benson on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday. I will also remind you that we are on social media at Guy Benson Show, Twitter and Instagram. And we are going to now have a fun conversation with Cookie, Cookie producer Christine, who had a kooky evening in New York City with Quiet Wyatt. And and here, Wyatt's, Wyatt, you can come in. You can come in. It's fine. Christine, we have a topic that we were going to discuss, but actually we have something else for you. No! Yes, no, yes, no, yes. No, I'm yep. not doing it. Yep, sit no, down. You've got to sit down. You've got to have a seat. Christine has How now... How could you do this to me? Her back is up against the wall. She is. She has leapt out of her seat. You have to sit down. We have to explain what this is. Do we have a spoon? Yeah, we have a spoon. Okay, so quiet, Wyatt. I asked him to go get me a Coke Zero, but that was a ruse. I didn't need a Coke Zero. We have a spoon, and we have some soup here. For producer Christine, this is French onion soup. Because a few years ago on the show, I believe it was 2019, Christine and I made a bet that Hillary Clinton, my bet was Hillary Clinton would not run for president in 2020. Christine bet that she would. As we know, history proves that I was correct. This did not happen. Hillary did not run. And so Christine lost the bet. And the bet was if she lost, she was going to have to eat some French onion soup, which she hates. For some very strange reason, she's gagging. She's like dry heaving. In the yeah, it's a beautiful smell. So why didn't I colluded? We colluded today to make this happen since we were all here together. He went over to Forty Fourth Street. Yo, where a, did you even get this from? It's cafe, Do I even want to know? Cafe Unde Trois. It's been there since the seventies. It's actually a pretty nice restaurant. This is their French onion soup. It's not from some gross diner. This is a, a bona fide French restaurant here in New York City, Christine. And I know that you're not excited about this. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> and so you lost a bet. I'm not going to have, that's a lot of soup. I'm not going to have you eat all of it. What? You have to eat some of it because you lost the bet and then we don't have to talk about it anymore. This is, this is an ambush. Yes, but it's a deserved ambush that you earned by losing a bet. And we, we keep our promises here on the Guy Benson show. It's very important. So uh, how are you feeling? I feel like, Okay. Put it on, Christine. So this happened. This works when I get pulled over. If I start crying, nope. If if I really get upset, nope. It's a lie. <laughs> but officer, <laughs> like, uh, ma'am, you're going a hundred. But officer, you're like my... the other Hot Wheels in the building. <laughs> okay, so you have to eat. I would say you get three spoonfuls, and you're and it, you're done. You know, this is not good radio. It is good radio. It's just good for the soul. It's chicken soup for the soul, but French onion soup style. I feel like you did this for two purposes. One, because now I'm breaking up with all of you as my best friends. Now oh, I'm going to go find new oh best no. friends. Oh, no. Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> Don't do that. What's the, the other lies. reason? What's the other reason? All the lies and the deceit. There was very little deceit. I said, go get a Coke Zero, and he was just getting soup that he had gotten earlier. I did slip him a 20 for his trouble What if I? the soup. What if I get very, very sick from it? You won't. Mm. And there's a garbage can right here. <laughs> okay. So, All right. I, yeah. I, so I, I tried ice cream on the air. This is your 
sort of your version. Oh, it smells so bad. Wyatt, I think we should probably get a photo of this just to prove that this is happening. Oh. Yeah, get a nice piece of that bread. Oh, that's the part that's the worst. It's soaked in bread in this terrible broth. Yeah. So this is the French onion soup oh. she had mentioned. Go, Yeah, go for it. Get a little bit of the, uh, the broth. And the cheese. Some of the cheese. Oh, the cheese is drippy. It looks good. Oh, God. All right, here comes bite number one. Go for it, Christine. And there it is. Mm, she oh. looks she looks miserable. She has both hands over her mouth with a paper towel. And you can't, like, store it in the side of your mouth, in, like, your cheek. That's what I used to do as a no, kid. You can't do it. Can I spit it out? You cannot. You have to eat it. That's it. That is so awful. Okay, I'm going to allow one more broth only. Broth only, and then you're done. So I don't have to eat the bread anymore. That's it. Just one more bite, and it's broth only. She keeps just shooting daggers at Wyatt at the other side of the studio. Like, how could you? How could you? Well, I mean, you shouldn't make bets that you're not willing to pay up on. Okay, here we go. You can slurp it a little bit for the radio. See? Okay, yeah. You, one more. Yes, yeah, this little. Yeah, there it is. Okay, you're done. The bet has officially, can we get a Fox News alert, actually, after years, after years of this storyline on this damn show, producer Christine has had her French onion soup. She didn't know this was coming. No. You? Oh, the aftertaste is just, how can you people out there like this? I think it's a pretty good soup. My issue is it's often too hot and it burns the roof of your mouth. That's my biggest complaint. Pizza, uh, pineapple on pizza is, I would say, a hundred times better than that. A hundred. I, I don't think so. And see, my my biggest beef with the soup is it will scald the roof of your mouth if you eat it too soon. But if you wait too long to let it cool down, then the melted cheese gets kind of gummy and is no longer enjoyable. So there's a very small window of time where you can enjoy a French onion soup, as producer Christine has just done here on the radio for all of us during the home stretch you're pointing at the boys like you're going to oh you're doing the throat slit gesture just remember where's carousel right now <laughs> i'm officially scared uh-oh wow yeah that's like we all know what that threat means she's uh she's still down in staten island somewhere in a in a garbage dump can i just say one thing about carousel uh our old intern caroline Wyatt and I went out to dinner last night, and she didn't know the story. She, too, does not believe. She said, Christine, it's not believable that Carousel went with an Amish family. Yeah, thank you. We all, it's just not a believable story. We know what happened to her, R.I.P. She, she's up in the big CNN Plus corral in the sky. That's where Carousel <laughs> is these days. Are you still shell-shocked that I'm we did this to you? in utter shock. And I also have to find new friends. So this is going to be a very busy weekend for me. Well, and you also have to find a new therapist, apparently, because your (sighs) new therapist who you thought was, like, working out well has ghosted you. Roy. So, yes. So what happened was Sandy was my old therapist. Mm -hmm. And Sandy and I just did not see eye to eye on things. Like, give one example if you're willing. Like, anything I said, she was just, like, so negative about. And also, after, I would say, six months, she still kept calling me Christina. I felt like she should know my name. Okay. Don't you think? And that's either that's either unprofessional or like very passive aggressive, <laughs> where she knows what your name is and she's getting it wrong on purpose. Every day. Every uh, time I saw her or okay. talked to her. Okay. So you're like, all right, enough 
Superstorm Sandy, we're done. Right, we're done. And then I was thinking maybe I need a man because I've always had ther- uh, women therapists. Right, well, except for me. Right? Correct, yeah, correct. I'm the uncompensated, unlicensed therapist. So Roy was awesome and By the way, we week. give you tough love here on the show, like eat your soup when it's, you have to. Oh it's still sitting there. It's, you keep it's, you keep looking down at it, and I, you're, you're like breathing shock. in the fumes. Oh, now I know what I'm going to talk to Roy about next week. This? <laughs> this is your traumatic event for the week? So so you? how did you find Roy? Bobby did. Okay. Yeah. He's That's very, promising. Yeah. he's very, Well, also, Bobby wanted to make sure I have a habit of doing, like, out of insurance, like, the pocket. And then, like, uh, Bobby will get a bill for, like, $300 and then, like, have to reimburse it and get, like, 20 back. So Bobby wanted was to gonna, make sure. He was going to in-network yes, therapist. Yes, in-network. Uh-huh. Um, and he was awesome. You know what he was doing? He was relating things to me through the Housewives and Kardashians. Like, he knew me. Speaking your language. He knew me. Mm-hmm. And he was awesome. And then I, what? I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, I looked down this morning on my app, and it said Roy is canceled. Oh, he canceled yes, on you? Yes, just canceled. Did he have any excuse? Didn't say anything. So Oh, I, I have I, an appointment. Or, you know, just like something came up. I messaged. You, I don't have his number. They don't give you that. Um, For the best. So I messaged him. You'd be, quote, booking him constantly. I messaged him through the app, and I said, what happened? And. Well, I, haven't heard, I haven't heard back from Roy, so ghost. let's hope next week he's around. If not, i got to find another one. Wyatt, talk about your role in this caper with the French onion soup. I mean, I, when did, I texted you, was it Tuesday that we were going to do this? Maybe even Monday. We were planning this all week. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm just – I'm sorry, Christine. Are you? I am. Are you? Because I don't feel. Yeah. And why are you sorry? Because yeah. Why she, are you sorry? She made the bet voluntarily. You didn't have to make the bet. But I you thought did I it. paid this bet. You, no, back. we all like, know. We all know that that's a lie. Don't you smell it? Yeah, it smells fine. It smells like onions and some, you know, soup and whatever. It's getting colder and colder, so it'll be less appealing. Mm-hmm. How hot was it? Was it hot? It was, it was. It was a good temperature. Okay, that's good. So, what were you at the microwave? Heating it up? Mm -hmm. You weren't going to get... And here I am worried that he wasn't getting you the proper Coke. I know. You're like, oh, will it be a can and not a bottle? I'm like, Wyatt knows what he's doing. Wyatt understands the assignment. I was so worried about that. And you just kept saying... And I was wondering why he was insisting I sit down in here. Yeah, I was like, why don't don't we do it here in the studio today as opposed to through the glass? And here I'm thinking, like, finally. No, you say. You're like, my moment has arrived. (laughs) I'm like, yes, it has. You just don't know what that means. I was like, he finally wants me... In the studio. And then Wyatt was literally like poking his head through that little window looking at me like, should I come in now? And then in it comes. And as soon as Christine saw what was in his hands, she, it was like a cat up against a wall. Like she flew out of her chair. She was treating it like it was radioactive or something. I'm surprised you didn't duck and cover under the, under the desk. I really was trying so hard. I'm like, cry, just cry. Christine. That was not going to work. You, you, if I had real tears, you would have still made me. Oh, no. We would have had, like, Wyatt, <laughs> like, stand over you and make you do this because you. the problem is you've told us your tricks. You've talked about how you use the fake waterworks to get out of things, mm-hmm. including tickets. Yeah. So that's not going to work. Mm. Not against GB. <laughs> nope. I, I knew that was a possibility. And now you've done it. Now you've paid your debt to society. You feel good? I yes, I feel I feel okay. By the way, you're gonna have to add those to the calorie count. Sorry, just you know, you didn't get too much cheese in there, so that's good. Oh my goodness. 
Mama's going to need a cocktail tonight. <laughs> well, you had you had one last night, didn't mm, you? I had a margarita. Which you told us you don't like, and then... It was delicious. You loved it. Yeah, it was a prickly pear. Oh, yeah, that's good. Delicious. Yeah, it's very good. Yes. Did you? And it wasn't frozen. It was just like on the rocks. Mm-hmm. Salt. Mm-hmm. And you liked it. Delicious. So why didn't you like it ever? I feel like a I, marg is a very cookie drink. I had them once in my 20s, and I had... The most severe heartburn. You probably had bad tequila. That's just my guess. Probably. And that was it. I, I was on the vodka after that, and I never, you know, looked Did back. Did Quiet Wyatt help you try the Marg? Like, was he encouraging you to do oh, this? Yes, oh, yes, yes. This was last night Yeah, in the we city. went to happy hour, and I was actually, I liked it so much because the happy hour ended at 6, and it was like 5.59, and I was trying to flag her down. To get a second one. To get a second one. She waited to turn around until 6.01, and then... Oh, sorry. That's exactly what happened. Oh, I didn't see you. Yeah. Oh, well, more margs to come. I think so. And it's now the weekend. We got to go. Happy French Onion Soup Day, America. Producer Christine has paid back her bet. We will never force her to do it again unless she makes another bad bet, but we will talk about it many times. Maybe not carousel level, but this was epic. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening. Back here on Monday from the southern border. It's the Guy Benson Show. Guys are not my friends. That was this week's edition of Bonus Benson. For more Guy Benson Show, go to GuyBensonShow.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at FoxNewsPodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.